So welcome to the Investment Cuddle, episode 22. I'm Gary, and I'm here with... Philip. And Keith. And today on the podcast, we're going to look at ESG investing. So that's environmental... Oh, no. Environmental, (laughs) social and governance. Thank you, Philip. Environmental, social, and governance. Keep that one in. Absolutely, I'll get that. Keep that one in. So, Philip, what what is ESG? Well, there's been a move in the last ten to fifteen years to have more ethical, should we say, investing. So, what seems to be come up with investing industry and accountancy industry is ESG, so environmental, social, and governance criteria in which to base and rank your companies that you might invest in or exclude companies you won't invest in based on those three sort of pillars. Okay, so is this this just a way of investing in good companies or is this a a level beyond what we class as, you know, the the Terry Smith kind of good company, i.e. they've got a balance sheet which makes sense? Well, in theory, it should be that because it should be a bolt on because um, to look as a way of looking at the best in class of companies that have a good growth prospect, that already have a good uh, balance sheet, that are already well financially well run and with profits that are sustainable. And then look at the, those companies and then look in more detail. Those are the best run from an ethical standpoint, those which have got the best environmental records to minimize their emissions, those that have got the best social responsibility behaviors and so forth. However, I'm not totally sure that is necessarily what's actually done in all cases and where they look at those and not necessarily look at them going and add an add-on on top of already good companies that are actually financially investable. Right, okay. Because that, well, I've been reading recently about huge inflows of money coming into ESG funds. It seems at the moment that this is very fashionable, and that's why it doesn't strike me as as as, as the same the same thing. If that makes sense. Yes, yes, and I'm in time inclined to agree with you. It is very very fashionable at the moment. And there's an awful lot of fear, my fear of there's an awful lot of green and um, a greenwashing or how should we say it or ethical washing, basically to make these funds look like they're be- uh, they're doing stuff that they're not really. So that's my fear. Um, so I'm slightly sceptical about what's going on under the hood. Okay, so you're not talking about green investors. No, I'm just thinking about what people have told is green. Is it really green? Is it really that much better for the environment than other things that are considered bad and polluting or companies which are considered ethical, but when you actually scratch beneath the surface, aren't actually that much anywhere, any more ethical than the ones that are considered um, arms dealers or tobacco companies? Right. Okay. so you, you were just chatting about, you know, what's under the hood. There are ways of looking at companies, though, isn't there? You know, look at looking at analyzing those three areas the es the s and the g that's right i mean there's lots of companies out there a bit like rate bond rating agent companies that will look and evaluate companies to produce ratings for them and then put them into indices one of these companies is msci they're renowned for making equity market indices for around the world if you want a high yield 
equity fund, you want developed, you want emerging market funds, they often make the um, index that most trackers sort of follow. And they also do analysis on companies, giving them ESG scores, and they also construct indices based on those scores for ESG tracker funds. So what they do is when they have the environmental part, they will assess the company and rate them on a number of factors for the under environment, such as climate change and carbon emissions, air and water pollution, their effect and their products effect on biodiversity, deforestation, energy efficiency, waste management and water scarcity. When it comes to the social part, they'll look at the company and how its products and its its behaviours affect customer satisfaction data protection and privacy of its customers, its employees, and the general public, gender diversity, employee engagements, community relations, human rights, and labor standards, and not just of its direct employees, but also within its sub-tier supply chains and longer uh, tailed supply chains. And under the governance section, they'll look at the board's composition and how diverse they are or not the audit commission structure and whether they actually really do their job, Um, the company's policies on things on do they have policies, Uh, bribery and corruption, do they have a policy on it, and executive compensation, is it all just about the managing director, lobbying and political contributions and how corrupt potential political corruption they might be involved with, and whether they have whistleblowing schemes and whether they actually adhere to them or whether they're just there for window dressing and those sort of things. And then when they look at all those criteria, they'll come up with an, an, a value and they can index them. And MFCI has got some interesting bits on their website where you can actually go and look at uh, many of the big company, uh, global companies and see how they're doing. And they, they give them a score, a bit an aggregate score, which is a bit like a bond rating. Triple A is the best. Double A is the second best. Single A is the next. Then you have triple B, double B, single B and C for the laggards. And then they'll look at it for different sectors and you can group them and see where your company is compared to its peers in its sector type. And it also see shows where they're average, where they're laggards or where they really excel. It gives you some idea of what they're good at. There's a little bit, I find it a little bit um, perplexing, the fact that you can have a company that's really, really good on corporate governance, yet an absolute laggard in corporate behavior, because surely... All the corporate governance is going, yes, yes, I've got these standards and I have audit committees. I behave completely opposite to all my policies state. So I'm a little bit sceptical on some of them, but I get the broad idea. And the broad idea is quite an interesting one to help filter good companies from really good companies. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess, like you said, you've got the bond ratings, but, you know, it's it's uh, you know, it's, it's a reg score, isn't it? It's a red, amber, green, yeah. essentially. Which it works. It's it's great for me. It's being simple of brain, but yeah, red, amber, green. You know, green being good and red being not as good as amber. So yeah. So I, I think I mean obviously there there are other companies looking at this beyond MSCI. We should we should point out, but but I think that you know to to give you what was it you were saying perhaps confidence or a bit more confidence in what these companies are up to. At least there's a there's a breakdown of what they're good at, what they're okay at and what they're needing to improve on, which I, I found really, really useful. So the one that I've just looked at, which is Imperial Brands, so obviously a tobacco company. So the MSCI ESG rating on that is an A. So that's coming out as amber, because I think from AA onwards, it's green. The above average of the average section. 
Yeah, and I mean, it's useful because you can see they they were triple B in 2016 and 17, and they've gone up to an A in the last three years, and they are probably in the top 40% of their peer groups in terms of tobacco companies, in terms of where they are. I'm not sure that makes quite sense, but basically there's 11 tobacco companies that this is based on, and they are in, in, the, in the upper end of being okay, I guess, when you look at this. But when you look at the where they're doing well, average and, and, and lagging, you know, they're, they're, it's just they're an ESG laggard in terms of supply chain labor standards. And I, and I kind of feel like, given what they do and grow and everything else, that perhaps might not be that surprising because it's probably quite a challenging thing to do. And there's probably an awful lot of outsourced work to third world countries when it comes to buying the tobacco, drying the tobacco before you actually make it to a product, which historically probably was maybe not so well looked after from a social responsibility point of view in the past. Yeah, exactly. So I can see where you would be struggling to, to meet that or working towards it. And then they seem to be average on quality and safety and chemical safety, but leading on corporate governance, corporate behavior and water stress. Yeah, I'm, assu- I'm assuming there what they mean is they don't pollute very much anymore. And also they use very little water in their manufacturing to make their products com- or and transportation of compared to what maybe they used to do. Yeah, and I guess some of these, like the water stress, etc., they'll be specific to, and the chemicals safety will be specific to a particular company or particular sector. So I think as we've looked through some of these, they, they, they do vary. But it just mm. gives you a good sense of where these guys are at and so did you did you have an example you wanted to raise well here's an interesting one when you sort of think oh let's think about tech companies and you're going let's just look at tesla now they have a rating which is a but in 2017 they were triple a and they're going down not up when you go about what they're good at it seems to be they're going well their corporate behavior and the corporate governance is quite good i question that a little bit after the fiasco with the um the investigation from America with the SEC, where their chief executive and largest shareholder was manipulating the share price by tweeting comments like, I've got enough money to take it private. So you squeeze the short sellers, which is, which is uh, stock market manipulation because they were fined for it. So they've been convicted of it. So I'm surprised they've got that high corporate standard behavior when that is completely unacceptable behavior. Mm-hmm. It's probably before Musk sparked a doobie with uh, Joe Rogan as well, isn't it? Possibly. But it seems to be what's dragging them down now is their quality and their la- labour management is what's dragging them down by what seems to be getting worse, not better. Yet they're seen as a starlet of the ESG world. Yeah. Elon was passing the duchy with Joe Rogan. The duchy? <laughs> Pass, was that on the left-hand side? That's the duchy pony left-hand side. <laughs> but, but you look at this in terms of what is a relatively new company in Tesla compared to what we're saying about it's not a new company it's a 20 it's almost a 20 year old company now okay yeah sorry i was drawing comparisons to a tobacco company oh, okay and the tobacco business and all right i'm not saying an automotive company is you know automotive is not new either but i'm just saying in terms of tesla versus imperial let's say there's a significant difference in you know electric vehicles versus tobacco as an industry so when you look at the labor management on the laggard side for tesla you would look at that and say, surely that was something that they could have started well on from the get-go. They shouldn't be struggling with that. Whereas I probably draw, well, I could make excuses why Imperial are where they are with on the on the lagging side. But with Tesla, surely that's, I know you said it's 20 years old, but you try and get that 
done straight off the bat, get it right, maybe? Mm-hmm. Because it's increasingly difficult to get that right at the speed at which they're growing. Yes, because it tends you know, to get worse, not better. Yeah. And again, you look at things like their average on carbon footprint. And so, okay, I, you know, I don't want to bore everybody with my view on um, clean energy and everything else. But you turn around and say, well, what they're producing and the idea of what, what the product is, surely the manufacturing and the other aspects of the company should have that focus as well. Exactly. Another company that's a quick one that everyone's heard of to bring up was looking at Alphabet. So the parent holding company for Google, the company whose famous models do no evil. When you look at them, they have quite a checkered ESG rating. They used to be A, and then they moved up to AAA, and now it's collapsed down to to triple B. That's quite a big drop. And when you're looking at it, the things that are sort of going wrong are corporate governance, corporate behavior, opportunities in clean technologies, apparently laggard behavior, according to their ratings. I think that's what's interesting when you look at this sort of thing where you've picked a couple of... Would you class Tesla and Alphabet as stars in terms of the way they've behaved in terms of share price? Yes, and their perception in certain large chunks of the population. Yeah, I mean, you would turn around and say a lot of people could not invest in Imperial brands because they would say, well, it's a tobacco company. I wouldn't invest in tobacco. Even if you're looking around and saying, well, they're running the company really well. On these ESG ratings, they're doing really well. They're in the top half or better of their peer group as well. Oh, no, I still can't invest. But I'm okay with, a, you know, I'm all right with the tech companies. So I think it's an interesting, you know, and I guess it comes down to personal preference. And this is where I'm slightly skeptical because it's, I want to know what's really going on under the hood to make sure it aligns with what I think ethical should be, what I think sustainable is, because I'm not sure that it means the same thing. And I'm also, because it's so popular recently with the amount of money going to this sector, where there's an awful lot of green and um, ethical washing. Well, okay. So why don't we do that a bit now then? You said your criteria, your assessment. Mm -hmm. You know, we've seen how the MSCI do it. Obviously, you've got reservations on some of this stuff. What's your criteria then? Or how are you judging companies? And this is the problem is I find it's something I've only just started to try and look into and it's quite difficult. So you end up finding you're having to use these indices as a small private investor. But yeah, it's a bit like the bond rating agencies. It's a black box where you don't really know what's going on under the hood. And the history of looking at what happened 10 years ago with the bond rating agencies, yeah, you or or the devil was actually in the detail about whether you were holding something that actually had some value or something which was um, bankrupt, be it badged as AAA. Are you you talking the the cats doo-doo wrapped in dogs doo-doo? Or was it the other way around? No, I think it's the other way. I, I was trying to not use the exact phrasing in um, that infamous film, The Big Short, mainly because it was not particularly nice, but very accurate way of describing what is actually in the products that will be marked up as AAA sometimes. Well, I'm, I'm sure anybody that's picked up anything like that, either of their own pet or somebody else's who's done it in the, done it in the garden, yeah, <laughs> you get, you get the idea. For it. But yeah, and that's where I'm – black boxes are great until they're not. But, and that's where it's trouble because you're relying on a black box where you don't know what's happening underneath. You can't really see what's really happening. Well, no, okay. And I, and I understand that. Other than looking at the balance sheet, are you starting to ask yourself questions about companies? Because, you know, the things like, for example, the one that sort of was in the, in the press recently was Boohoo. You know, they're a fast fashion company. We're in a lot of ESG funds from what I remember. And suddenly we're in the press for all the wrong reasons on labor. So you turn around and go, well, hang on, I'm not sure how fast fashion 
could be ethical. Well, I, I think, yeah, I guess I would come from it from an environmental standpoint and say, well, is, is fast fashion environmentally friendly? I'll leave people to decide on that. But you then turn around and go, well, yes, the company can have an ESG rating, but it's a fast fashion tech-like stock, let's say, in terms of all this all this hullabaloo about tech stocks. Would you invest in something like that driven by an ESG rating? I don't know, because I don't think alone on its, at the moment on its ESG rating, I would actually weight that heavily on it. Because it's a bit like when you go through it, I don't really want to own Google. I don't really want to own Facebook because I don't actually like their corporate behavior. There's one thing about following the crowd in terms of whether it's ESG or just the top technology stocks, but is there a way of being a contrarian in ESG? Can you invest in companies, hopefully with an e- a good ESG rating of one of these companies, but a company that actually makes a difference, if that makes sense. It's, it's got a good rating, but actually when you look be- below the, you know, or under the bonnet, I think you said earlier, you're actually investing in a company that is actually doing something good for the environment, the world, whatever, people. How do, how do you tackle that? And that's the one where I don't have an answer for that at the moment. It's just what I think what we've got at the moment, it may help, but it's not the end. It's not the solution. It might be part of the solution, but it isn't on its own. And I would just wear people to be wary of it. You can get, I think you can get pulled into the raw false scent of what you're doing. Well, I think as you said earlier, any, any rating has to be taken with a health warning. Yes. Yeah. And so you, as, as obvious as it sounds, when you're looking at companies, you can use the ESG rating as a guide and then use common sense to work out whether you think it's actually a fair representation depending on what you know of the company. And as we've said before, you know, if you invest in funds, a lot of the time you don't know completely what they're buying, but you know, you're not, you're not taking that singular company view. So you could argue it might be a, a, a safer bet. But then, you know, pick a fund that's not invested in tobacco or oil or, you know, any of those dividend paying <laughs> companies when, you, you, when you're trying to find uh, income, for example. For me, you've got to then take that ESG as a guide against the balance sheet, the pr- stock price performance, all those other things that you would normally consider. So I think you said it earlier on is this is just one element that you add to all the others. Yeah. And that's the way I look at it at the moment. Yes. Because for me, one of the things I've got a real problem with at the moment is people are calling it ESG investing. And for me, I wouldn't ESG invest personally because there's too many other things to consider. That is a, it's it's not one dimensional, it's three dimensional, you could argue from ESG. But even three dimensions is not enough when you're doing investing. When you're investing, you can't just go down that road because as we've just said about a few examples, are they really that? You know, and don't get let's not get started on on you know batteries for cars and, and how sustainable, well, let alone in ethical from the where they've come from. And I think that's it. And then you won't gen- generally won't find people talking about mining companies when it comes to ESG. But if you don't mine things like elements make things. out of the ground, exactly, you don't you don't make anything. So it's a really difficult balance when you turn around and go, well, I'm only going to invest in things that make good products or that you know the right ESG rated companies that make stuff. Well, where are they getting this their, their stuff from to make the stuff? You know they've got to get their elements and their raw materials from somewhere. And that's why I think it was interesting when we were looking through this earlier. We looked at a, a company called CRA, which is a construction company, and they are actually a AAA rated company. And a lot of their activities are related to quarrying, mining, you know, raw materials, as I would class it. 
Yeah, the dirty end of all the industries, yes. Yeah, exactly. And I think I was just surprised to see them as a AAA, not because they don't, you know, I just don't know enough about the company, but it shows you can get a company trying to do all the right things that maybe aren't a tech company or one of the one of the fashionable names at the moment. So that was a little bit of an eye opener for me anyway, in the way they were organized and i think they were what was it four percent there was only four percent of the of the companies yeah in their sector and i think basically four percent represents one company so it's it's only them so yeah as you say i think your own criteria is very challenging but i think that that will come over time so if you're going to invest in sg funds predominantly there's realistically only two main options you can buy you can get tracker funds of esg indices most of those seem to be in the etf space or you can go down unit trust approaches um, where you've got a manager actively picking. There doesn't seem to be much investment trusts on ESG because they seem to be very specific, like on the environment or low carbon technology. So they're not f- embracing the full ESG criteria, just one or two parts of it. So if we go to the ETFs, there are several ETF trackers that track the MSCI ESG index. One of those that is um, pulling out here is Vesco Markets ESG US Fund, which looks at screening US companies in the S&P 500. So picking out, reweighting the S&P 500 on ESG scores again. And there's some other ones which are iShares for developed markets companies. There's some there for even um, emerging markets. Now, the interesting one, if you pull up, the S&P one, for example, for looking at the American companies, and you look at what its constituents are, its number one holding at 9% is Apple, followed by Microsoft at 7.6, Amazon at 6, Facebook at 2.7, Alphabet at around about 4.5, JP Morgan Chase at 1.7, Visa at 1.4, NVIDIA Corp at 1.4, Procter & Gamble at 1.4. And what you realise very quickly is it's a closet tech fund. The Apple, uh, Apple's pretty environmentally friendly, isn't it? Nothing wrong with a bit of fruit? Yes. Yeah, but I think you said it's, it's, a, it's a closet technology fund. And you sit there going, well, wouldn't you be better off just buying the tech fund? Because probably the fees are lower. I'm not sure if that's the case in this example, but quite often the ESG stuff is ever so slightly more expensive on fees because of what it is. But in that example, you're not buying anything other, as we said, other than the tech companies, which, you know, if that's what you want to buy, that's fine. But of those companies there, you'd you'd want to go through that MSCI ESG rating and go, well, are they all A or AAA then? Yep. If that was your criteria, you're saying, well, I only want to deal with companies that have got, you know, 90% of their stuff in in sort of average and, and and above average i don't want them lagging on anything or whatever the you know whatever the scales are but you want good esg companies yes that's right doesn't this kind of uh, fall into the same i think i think we've maybe touched on it before about whenever whenever these etfs or uh, funds are put together the way that they can accommodate large amounts of capital is by having the big cap companies in their index. So they all try and shoehorn the big cap companies into their index. So you find True. You, know, you find the likes of Apple, etc. They're in they're in a lot of trackers. True, but also when you look at the other companies, JP Morgan, Chase, Procter and Gamble, Nvidia Corp are not small companies. 
They've got big liquidity when you look at the amount of the size of the company and the shares that are traded. But yet they're still only, they're in the 1%, 2% each. Apple's in the 10%. Facebook was in the uh, 2%, uh, 3%. Google's in the 4%. It's just disproportionate. There are some others. I mean, there's another one, which is a tracker, a legal and general tracker called Legal and General Future World ESG Develop Index. Again, it's another one based off MCI. And again, you look at the top 10 holdings. It's Apple at 5%, Microsoft at 4%, Amazon at 3%, JP Morgan Chase at 1.2%, Visa at 1.2%, Facebook at 1%, MasterCard at 1%, Tesla at 1%, NVIDIA Corp at 1%. And you saw again, it's fairly similar. Yeah, there isn't much difference there, is there? I mean, you're looking at no. most of those are... Again, it's a tracker. It's a tracker following those indices, and the indices is made up of Microsoft, Facebook, Google, Apple. They make up a quarter of the of the index. Yeah, and I mean, looking at that particular one there, you said about the Future World ESG Developed Index, which is the legal and general one. This is new by the looks of it. Yeah, this was created in 2019, but it's still it's a just $275 million fund. It's a tracker fund, so it's small. It just follows an index. The index is... That MCI index, I believe. You know, it's relatively new. It's 278 million as of today. That's not the biggest tracker fund, I would argue. Now, the other one we looked at, the exchange traded fund. So this was the Invesco Markets, SPEP. Okay. So this one is, yeah, this one's only a 700 million pound ETF. So it's not that big, but I imagine it's not been around that long. Okay. The one I was looking at was the Vanguard. It's Vanguard ESG Emerging Markets All Cap Equity Index. It's a rip snorter of a title. Wow. Um, <laughs> That's an easy one yeah. to say. So, you know, this one's a £32.3 million fund. So launched in June last year, 2020. Again, it's it's the charges are a quarter of a percent. You know, it's a, it's a, a tracker and index fund, but obviously very, very new. So you look at the top 10. So this is emerging markets and ESG. So their top holding is, any guesses? Taiwan uh, Semiconductor uh, Manufacturer. Semiconductors. And, and the second holding, any any guesses? Tencent or Alibaba. Well, you, you've just done number two and number three. So we'll give you, we'll give you two points for that. <laughs> so basically it's Asian tech. Yeah. So it's mirroring to a large degree those developed world funds, as they're calling them. But for what, you know, what we're classing as the emerging markets, you've got as their seventh top holding is China Construction Bank. You've got an insurance company of China in there as well. The top sectors, software and computing. And then you've got banking, retailers, pharmaceutical and real estate. So it's relatively balanced, you could argue. But, you know, you turn around and say the number of holdings, you know, it's 2,600 holdings. So, you know, it is a tracker. You're basically buying the market. If you're trying to look for ESG investment, are you convinced that those 2,600 companies are all ones you're happy to own? Yeah. I would kind of, well, I would kind of suspect that there might be one or two in there that you, if you are looking at that, you might not want to own, maybe. Yeah, there's bound to be some in there you might question. Mm. And I think that comes back to your point earlier on about how does this all work? I kind of sense that ESG investing via a tracker might be a little bit of an oxymoron. Yeah, you might actually want a human to pick these, of which there are some, but there's not as many. 
but there are some around. Smaller companies that are looking at them. Aegean Ethical Equity is one. And when you're looking at who they're investing in, their sort of sector breakdown is software and services, 20%, industrial support, 10%, life insurance, 7 investment banking and brokerage services, 7%, media, 7%. Countries, it's predominantly UK at 85%. But you're looking here at the companies, you've got GB Group, Relax, Diploma, Aviva Group, Gamma Communications, Coca-Cola, HBC, Argay, Prudential, Ferguson, London Stock Exchange. These are more the sort of companies you're going, okay, these more these are more normal. It's not a closet tracker of tech companies. No, what was sorry, what was the what was the ticker on that one? So this one is called Aegean Ethical Equity Fund. So this is a unit trust. A G Aegean? How are you spelling the G-N? A-E-G-O-N. So they're a life insurance company. Now, they're not saying ESG. They're just saying, no, we're predominantly ethical. How we, We're picking companies uh, that behave the right way and make products the right way and react with their supply chains in the right way. Okay. So this, but this is an OIT, did you say? This is, yes. This is an, this is a, uh, yes, an OEIC. It was started back in 1989. So there's been a serious amount of time when you can look at how well they've done. And it's about 567 million in size. It's not massive, but it's not small. In the fact that this one is rather unique and it's been around a long time, long before ESG was even a thing. Yeah, I think, I think, and you look at it and the number of holdings is 64, which my maths is bad, but 64 is less than 2,600. Yes, it's more than what you'd find for like mega caps, but that's probably because what it looks like when you're reading it, it's quite a good reasonable mixture of largest companies such as the long. London Stock Exchange, Prudential, with quite a lot of smaller size companies. Yeah. And I guess, you know, as we'll say, you know, the the charges on this are significantly higher than any of the indexes. It's actively managed. So it's about 0.8% annual management fee. But they are paying a dividend. Plays a yield of around about 1.39 historically. Now, another one, interesting one to look at there is, now this one is not easy to get hold of for retail investors. Terry Smith runs a sustainable equity version of Fundsmith. Now, this one, it's not easy to get hold of unless you're institutional investors, from what I gather. But there are a few platforms that have allowed you access to it. It's not been around that long. It's only been around since 2007. It's only 300 million in size. And Terry Smith is the manager. The fee is about 1%, similar to its Fundsmith. But when you look at its top 10 holdings or sectors... Medical at 16%, 16% software, 16% industrial support services, 8% personal goods and services, 8% pharmaceuticals, 7% drug companies and grocery stores. It's predominantly United States at 61%, UK at 12 Denmark at 8 But when you look at the holdings, number one holding is Microsoft Corp at 5.5. Then it's PayPal Holdings at 52 into Tui Inc., which is the company that does QuickBooks at 4.7%, Visa at 4.6%, Estee Lauder 4.4%, some Danish company I can't pronounce at 4.5%, another Danish company I think at 4.1%, and Nova Nursk at 4.3%, L'Oreal at 4.2%, Johnson Johnson 4.1%. It gives you, it's a bit more diverse, but it's still reasonably tech heavy. But it's, again, if you looked at it, it's probably not massively different to some of the other funds from Fundsmith. Well, no, the thing the thing that jumps out at me is, you know, it's a it's it's one percent on charges, which you know that's yeah. kind of 
traditionally what you'd be paying other than the 1920 performance it's pretty much double digit growth which is also a sort of a trait with um Fundsmith funds and if you look at the number of holdings it's 24 holdings versus 29 for feet the interesting one when you look at the top 10 holdings the only difference is number one is microsoft number two is paypal the only one is the ethical one doesn't have facebook doesn't have idex laboratories and doesn't have philip morris international which is a tobacco company but otherwise all the rest are exactly the same at pretty much similar proportions yeah which which brings us back to the conversation we had earlier on which is about is, is this just uh, another way of measuring good companies because you know if you go back to the, the principle of, of sort of fundsmith is buy good companies but you're buying a smaller number. I mean, it's just it's just kind of mind blowing for me that you know they've got 24 holdings on the Fundsmith Sustainable Equity Fund, and that tracker we were looking at was 2,600, two orders of magnitude lower, isn't it? You're buying a tracker. You, you kind of know that, but just in terms of selecting, in this case, sustainable companies, you've picked 24, which is a number I can kind of get my head around. I can't believe you'd be happy with that with 2,600 of them. With every single one of those companies as a sustainable pick or yeah. a ESG pick. Yes, quite. There's another couple out there, which is um, MBN, which is um, Bank of New York Mellon Sustainable Real Return Fund. And when you look at that, this is like invested in bonds, company bonds. The company you're picking in, depending on how good they are, when you look at what is buying. So there is a bond sort of ethical bond fund out there. The other ones you've got there are First State Investors Asian Focus which is similar looking at Asian companies. So when you're looking at there, you're looking at number one fund is Taiwan Semiconductors at 7.5%, Tencent Holdings of China at 5 Samsung Electronics at 4.8%, just to give you some idea of the what you're likely to be buying on that one. But it's again, it's an Asian focus. And then there's another one, which is Stuart Investors Indian Subcontinent Sustainable Fund. And this is one I've not come across. Stuart Investors is a fairly small boutique fund. I think they specialize in India or the Indian subcontinent. But again, when you're looking at there, you will tend to be looking at, again, software companies, drug companies, banks and pharmaceutical companies. That's the sort of sectors you're buying into. Doesn't seem to have many um, miners or anything like that. Or, but that's another one if you want to invest probably more ethically in the Indian subcontinent than maybe some of the other more traditional emerging market funds. Yeah, and I, th- and I think it's what we were saying earlier on is if you're looking at your own criteria, are you buying companies that are trying to make a difference either with their products or the way they're operating? That's the other way to play ESG is, you know, I've just about to talk about, is it one man can make a difference? Yes. Is that is that Superman or is that Spider-Man? I think Spider-Man, but I could be the wrong one. Because I know the Spider-Man bit is... Um, with great power comes great responsibility. But I can't remember if that's also... I think one man can make a difference with Knight Rider. <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure Keith will correct me on that. No, I thought it was the 80s. No correction needed. It was Knight Rider. One man can make a difference, Michael. Yeah, I think I think if, if it's good enough for Kit, then um, it's good enough for us. Good enough for us. Yeah, so if you're going you're gonna to go down the ESG route, you know, it, there's a relatively inexpensive way of doing that, which is going and buying an ESG tracker. But as we've said before with trackers, you cannot buy in the market. So you're just going to be buying what it looks like, certainly in, 
in the America market, the big tech companies and whatever else. There's also some managed funds if you want to dig it a bit deeper, but it depends what you want to do. And I think if you are looking to do your own type of ESG investing, then you've got to be pretty clear on what you think those ESG elements or something similar in your own investing ethics, etc., means to you. Because it's a, it's a it's a bit of a, a fog out there for me at the moment with ESG. I don't know about you. No, it's one of those ones where, yeah, it's you need to look around a bit and understand what it is you want to buy and then look and see what is there. Does it cover what you'd like, how you interpret the world? I've got to the end of the episode and I don't even know what the acronym means still. Well, no, neither do I. I don't think most people could actually name it. And what they think it means isn't what it says. <laughs> And, and I mean, for me, I, I can't remember which podcast it was. I think it was, uh, it might have been the Smarter Markets one where the guy had said, you know, do you want to do the, as you said earlier on, uh, Philip, about a greenwashing? Do you want to do the greenwashing investing as far as ESG is concerned? Or do you want to be buying companies that are really trying to make a difference? And this could be, you know, geothermal companies or people that are, that are producing wind turbines, you know, any other environmentally focused technologies that are going to try and stop us poisoning ourselves in the future. That to me is the bit that's really of interest. The difficulty with that is you might well be going to invest in, you know, a hydrogen company or whatever, but you might well be going to invest in companies that are never going to make any money and they're not going to be successful, but you're doing it because you want them to be. (laughs) And you've got to weigh that again. Do I want to make money and an income? Or do I just want to subsidize somebody else? Am I investing something, you know, investing in something that I believe in, and therefore, if it goes and is and is good, that's great. And if it doesn't, then you know, it was it was the right thing to do. And that's a very different style of investing, I would say, wouldn't you? Yeah. So I think that's all we've got time for. I want to say thank you to Philip and to Keith, and we'll see you next time. This programme has been presented for information and educational purposes only. None of the information or content of the programme is to be taken as an offer, opinion or recommendation by the programme's hosts or guests to buy or sell securities. Nor is it intended to provide legal, tax, accounting, commercial or financial advice. Opinions and comments are based on information from sources believed to be reliable. All investing involves risk as prices go up or down based on a number of factors. Always consider consulting a financial professional before investing.